That was a blessing, wasn't it? First time I've ever heard that. That's a new one. Well, how many of you are happy today? Happy? How many of you glad your sin's been washed away? Well, I'm glad too. There's nothing quite like it. And uh, I would like for you, if you would, to uh, open your precious Bible. By the way, Morrisons, y'all did a great job on that skit. Didn't they do a good job with it? I might have to have them do that around here one time. They did a podcast. It was a good one. I'm waiting on part two. That part two is going to be a good one. That's where the woman actually, you know, obeys the man. Says yes, sir. It was good stuff. Well, I've learned a few things. You know, you ever been shocked when uh, you realize you're getting older and your body seems to change a little bit? And I didn't realize it the other day. I've been wondering why. I thought it, the lighting was bad. But I've been having trouble reading here lately. And so, I don't know, I was in the house the other day and I picked up Laura. I said, man, the lighting's not good. And I picked up in glasses of Laura and I put them things on my head. And I was like, my goodness. It's not the lighting, it's my eyes. So, my goodness, we're going to read with some glasses today, and I think I can read a little better and actually see my notes better than I have been doing for some time. And So, would you open your precious Bible tonight, this morning, to the Gospel according to John chapter 11. The Gospel according to John chapter 11, and we're going to read most of the chapter. Most of the chapter. So, I would love for you to follow along with me as we read, and uh, let's look at God's Word here together this morning. And uh, let's read together, and uh, you read as I read, and let's follow along. And I want to, uh, again, bring a message this morning on just simply the greatest words of the Bible. We're going to look at a word today that we find in this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to consider it the weakest word. The weakest word. Let's look in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, notice, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So that's very clear. I've thought about this. Why did the Lord allow that verse to be in the canon of Scripture? I love it there. Verse 5, notice what the Bible says. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick... He abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now the reason why I believe that that verse is emphasized in this passage of Scripture because normally if someone abides two days after hearing that someone's sick, you would have to question the thought or not whether, well, if he didn't come, does he really love us? Well, God made sure everybody knew, yes, I love Lazarus. So his delay... His delay, his restraint was not because he did not love Lazarus. It's very clear. The Bible makes it very clear here in verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days. Still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. And then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now keep in mind, Lazarus was good and dead. Four days. That's quite a time for someone to quit breathing. And in that custom, they prepared the body. And so there is no doubt. Liberals tell us that, oh, he wasn't dead, he was just asleep. No, he was dead. The Bible says in verse 18, Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Now I want you to notice, Then Martha, as soon as, she wasted no time, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, Oh, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection of that last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this. Isn't that powerful? And we know what takes place. He raises Lazarus from the dead. But I don't want to focus in on that. We all know what happened there. He raised Lazarus from the dead. But I want to focus in on verse number 22 or verse number 21. And I want to look at one little word. And I believe this word is the weakest word. And it's just a two-letter word. If. What is the word? What is the weakest word? What is the word that is the weakest because it is the most useless? What is the word that men speak in excuse while opportunity passes them by? What is the word that people speak when they have chosen a course of life and then they're unhappy in that choice? What is the word spoken with grief? When a husband or a wife discover that while they slept in careless neglect, their relationship has become become unhappy. What is the word that is the short 
but true, but sad epitaph on thousands of graves. What is the word that is cut over the portals of hell? You know what the word is? It's if. I want you to think about it. If. How many times have you heard it? Well, if so-and-so, or if something didn't happen, or if it was a better day, or if I had more skill, or if I had more time, or if, 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 it's useless. It's a weak word. Why is it a weak word? I'm going to tell you why it's a weak word. Because it's most useless. Think about it. What did an if ever do for God or man? It never has done a thing. If it's never done a thing for God or man, it's a weak word. It breaks no change. If breaks no chains of evil habits. If never has broken an evil chain of a bad habit. If it was a better day. No, it's, it's useless. It's weak because it's never broken a bad habit. Hey, listen, uh, it, it's, uh, it means no flaws in men's character. If never makes a change. If does not mend any flaws in our daily lives. If has never changed a thing. Hey, if never brings back a lost opportunity. It never opens a door that neglect or sin has closed. If will never open that door. It's useless. But yet we use it in our vocabulary and yet we use it in our lives so many times. If Never brings back a lost opportunity. Hey, if never brings back a day that has been wasted. Now, let me just stay here a moment. When we think about this if, and we're going to look at Martha's if, but just, just think about that a minute. Think about uh, how, how precious time is. Think about how precious a day is. Think about how precious a moment is, how precious a, a life is. Think about how useless an if is when it never brings back a day. Hey, it never brings back a day that we've wasted. Hey, if never armed one for the battle of life. You'll never arm yourself if you're always asking if, if, if a better day or if this was better or if this was done or if. If is a useless word because it's never armed us for the battle of the day. And by the way, every day is a battle. Especially for the Christian. If, hey, if never preached a sermon. Well, if the, if, the, if the culture was better. Well, if you're waiting on the culture to get better to preach a sermon, then you're never going to get it. The Bible says it's through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching has always been foolish to the world. If, well, I'll tell you what, if it was a better, if it was a better crowd. Hey, could y'all be a good crowd this morning? Could y'all imagine getting up and preaching and everybody out there looking at you and sticking their tongue out at you? Well, I tell you what, I'd preach that sermon if everybody wasn't sticking their tongue out at me. Hey, well, I would preach a sermon if no one ever fell asleep. Well, I'd have to stop right now because I done got two in here asleep. Amen? If, 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 I'd stop right now. Now, praise God, it woke them up right there, praise God. Hey, listen to me. If never preached a sermon. Hey, if never wrote a book. You know something I think that people like us and people in our church have failed to do is just write good books. But if never wrote a book. Well, I'll tell you what. And by the way, this has been my excuse. Well, y'all know how bad I am with grammar. If I was better with grammar, if I was better with grammar, I'd write a book. But you know what? Here's what's amazing about that. 
There are people good with grammar that could actually proofread it. The only bad thing about that, I'd be so embarrassed there'd be so many red marks in it. If never wrote a book, if never preached a sermon, hey, if never built a house. And trust me, y'all don't want me building a house anyhow. But there are people, don't get too happy there. Hey, there are some people, though, that are capable of building a house, but they say, oh, I'll tell you right now. No, if never built a house. Hey, if never invented an engine. All of us are blessed today because some men decided, well, we're not just going to say if someone could build that. Thank God somebody put their brains together and built an engine, and now we can fly all over the world. We can drive all over the country because of why someone didn't say, well, I just say if somebody else can do that. Hey, if never built a, hey, if never plowed a field. Hey, if never conquered a city. If never started a church. If never attends a church service and God speaks to our hearts. Look, if is a useless word. Why? Because it never has turned a soul to repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, if it was a better time, no. The Bible says today, now is the accepted time. If we'll never do it now. If it's a useless word, it's an excuse to put something off or it's an excuse to question really what God is doing. If has never turned a soul to Christ. And so can I say to you this morning, look, we heard a message uh, at the marriage retreat on assuming things. I'm going to be honest, it is a dangerous thing for me to stand behind this platform this morning and assume that everybody that's in this building listening to the Word of God, it's scary, it's wrong for me to assume that everybody's saved. I shouldn't assume that everyone that's listening or watching online, I should not assume that everyone that's watching online, I know there are people watching online that are saved, but it's dangerous for me to assume that everyone watching online is saved. And so I want to say to you this morning, the reason that the if is a useless word, because an if has never saved anybody. Can I say to you this morning, if you are born of man and woman, you need to be saved. Your sin separates you from God. There's no question, well, if I need to be saved or if I'm a sinner. No, God's already told us we're all sinners. And that sin separates us from God. But praise the Lord, Jesus Christ paid for our sin. And we don't have to go to hell. We can trust Christ as our Savior today. But if we're trying to figure out the if, we'll never do it. The if has been taken care of. Jesus Christ has paid for our sin on the cross. And I hope and pray this morning that you know Him as your personal Savior. If never turned a soul to repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So if, let's look at some ifs. I want to just deal with two today. You'll find them both in the Bible. The first one's right here. Let's deal with Martha's if. Now let's just look at this story. Let's let it come to life. All right, now. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is away. We know that he loves Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. They are friends of his. And God tells us in verse 5 that he loves these people, yet he's given news that Lazarus is sick and is going to die. And the Bible says Jesus waited two days. Again, I believe verse 5 is so important because someone might question, didn't you hear this, Jesus? Don't you love Lazarus? You know that he's sick. 
He's almost dead. You could go to Him. You could do something. But Jesus did not go. But listen to me. It was not because He didn't love them. And here's the application. Sometimes you might not think Jesus shows up as quick as you think He should. It's never because He doesn't love you. He loves you all the time. Sometimes love is delayed. Sometimes love is restraint because there's more things going on. He said right here, now Jesus loved Martha and Mary and sister and Lazarus, but we know, he said he heard that he was sick, but he abode two days, so he waited. Finally he goes, and then he tells his disciples, Lazarus is asleep. So the disciple says, oh, it's good that he's resting. But he said, no, wait, boys, he's not resting, he's dead. So they get there, and this kind of gives you a little bit of a personality of what Martha was like. Now we already know that she was a busy person because the Lord, she came to the Lord there earlier and said, look, my sister's worshiping you, wiping your feet, anointing your oil, wiping your feet with her hair. She's worshiping you, and I'm doing all the work. And he looked at her and said, well, what she's doing is needful. She's doing the best. So we already kind of get a picture of Martha. Martha's busy, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with people being busy. But I get a picture of Martha. She's number one, very outspoken. Do you know any ladies like that? That's very, that's very outspoken. Very outspoken. Hey, we've, we're, we're introduced to one here with Martha. She's very outspoken. Now I want you to let your mind's eye go. Now here she is. She has went through some very mental struggle. Her brother has been dead. He is now dead. She called for Jesus. He's never showed up. He's been dead for four days. And all of a sudden, here's the picture. Martha heard that Jesus was here. Now I want you to think. She didn't walk out there and say, Oh, Lord, we're so glad you're here now. No, I'm going to tell you what, what she was. She was worked up. Y'all ever been worked up? Y'all ever, is your nerves about shot? My mother growing up, when we were little, Kim and I, maybe home from school or something, we didn't, you know, we were with mom a little bit longer and we'd be all rambunctious. I can still remember my mother saying, she'd look at me and she's like, Mark, she said, I got one nerve left and she said, you're jumping all over it. I can still see my mother doing that. She's like, Mark, she's like, my nerves are shot. And she said, you're on my last one. I can still see her. Y'all ever use words like that? Well, then you haven't been a parent. But I want you to know, her nerves were shot. And I'm just going to be honest with you, physically speaking, the Lord Jesus Christ was on her last one. Because in her mind... She knew Jesus should have done been there. And here's how, she, look, her if, you know what her if was? It was a rebuke to the Son of God. She rebuked the incarnate Christ. She rebuked her Savior. She rebuked 
God Almighty with her if. I want you to notice this passage that we read. She was put out. She was frustrated. And the Lord Jesus Christ, physically speaking, was on her last nerve. And she immediately went out there. Did not greet Him with, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, Jesus, we're glad you're here. She didn't greet Him that way. The Bible said the moment that she saw Him, she came to Him. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. That's how she greeted the Savior. This if that Martha said to Jesus, it was, a, it was really a rebuke. It was, it was a telling Him He was wrong. So in other words, here's what she said to Him. If you would have come when I told you, my brother wouldn't be dead right now. Now, I don't know about you, we give her a rough time. We do it all the time. We do the same thing. It's a natural if. I mean, I'm going to be honest. It's a natural if. I want you to think about it. But it was a natural if, but I also want you all to know this. It was a weak if. And you know why it was a weak if? Because it was an attempt, I don't like this, to change the past. You know what she wanted? She didn't want her brother to die. Who would want their brother to die? It's a natural if. I've heard it all my life. But here's what's amazing. It was God's will that Lazarus died. It was God's will that he waited two days. It was God's will that Lazarus had been dead four days when Jesus got there. So let us learn from this if. <laughs> here, here it is. I've heard it all my life. And I've done it. I've been there in a day of weakness. I've been there in the moment of weakness. Here's what we like to do. We want to change the past. We say, well, if that wouldn't have happened. But you know what? It did happen. We can't change it. And I don't like that. You know, we don't have time travel, you know. I think of an old, old show. I think they come out with a new one. But I've learned this. The classics are always the best. The first ones are always the best. But when I was in the 80s, I remember there was a TV show that came on. It was called Quantum Leap. And this guy would just randomly be put in the body and would live out this person's life. And he would look in the mirror and see who he was. I mean, it was amazing. And because he got there at a certain time, y'all know what I'm talking about? He could always change somebody's future because he could time travel. That's only on TV. He could change an if. It's amazing. Hollywood can change an if. But just us regular folk, we can't change our ifs. So let us learn from this if. And here it is. It's really, if it, we, we need to learn from this. Well, if it had been different. Think about this. And bless her heart, my grandmother's in heaven now. But her and her sister were very close. And she was my great aunt, uh, Jean. And my grandmother was Beulah. And I mean, they were tight. They were close. My grandma, Leslie, and my aunt, Jean. And my aunt, Jean, got sick. And she went to the hospital. And there in the hospital, they asked about a certain medicine. And my grandmother gave a uh, a permission for them to give my aunt this medicine. And within, I don't know, hours, my Aunt Jean died. 
And a little bit later on, uh, a nurse came to my mother and said, just want you to know, that doctor killed your aunt because of the medicine that he gave her. And so could you imagine my grandmother being the one giving permission? She beat herself up for that for months saying, oh, if I wouldn't have given permission, if I wouldn't have given permission, but I want you to know something from the human standpoint we see, but I want you to know something. I believe God is greater than all that. I'll never forget my other grandma, Brandon. She had a little brother that died. I've never forgotten her telling me this. She'd say, Mark, my little brother Alfie was, was very sick and we called the doctor and in those days they would come to the house and this doctor came over the hill and came to the house and said he went in there and he ministered to little Alfie and gave him some medicine and, and she said, Mark, that doctor no longer walked out of the house and she said he never, he not even over, got over top of the hill leaving and my little brother Alfie died. And my grandmother, Brandon, I remember saying, you know, we just wondered if, 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 but we can't live there. I think about someone like Fanny Crosby that is one of the greatest hymn writers that's ever lived, and she was blind. And and by the way, it was because of the mistake of someone else that she's blind. But do you know that she never questioned the why? She never questioned the if. You know what she did? She said, here's what a blessing. She said, the first person I'll ever see is my Savior. And she wrote beautiful hymns. And I'll be honest with you, God knew all about that. We don't even know if Fanny Crosby would have been a great hymn writer if she would not have had lost her eyesight. So I'm thankful that there are people that we've learned through life that we cannot always question or say if. But see, instead of not learning from the past, not to ask if it had been different, how about we rather say this, what great purpose is there in this for me? you think about it what has God appointed this for me for instance Fanny Crosby most of our hymn book if we was to pick this hymn book up today and I turn through the page of this hymn book you're going to see Fanny Crosby's name a lot she was blind at the mistake of someone else but yet I want you to know something Fanny Crosby lived her whole life trusting God's plan for her life even being blind That helps us to deal with things in our life. We can't always go back to the the back and say, oh, well, if it had been different, but rather what great purpose is there in this for me? What has God appointed this for me? The other day, I had the honor to be able to go with Brother Scotty and and Sister Sarah. We were at the hospital, and uh, I was extremely impressed with the, the doctor, the surgeon. He came in and he spoke to, to Scotty and, and, and to Sarah. And I mean, just uh, gave so much thorough information. And, and they made this statement, Stone, said one in a million and a million. One in a million of a million. One in a million of a million. He said this wouldn't happen to one in a million of a million. But for some reason, God appointed it to be Stone Gilly. If, if, if. And all I could think of after he said that, I even looked at Sarah and Scott. I said, you know what? 
I know this doesn't seem like a, a great choice, but honestly, Stone God has allowed you a, a special opportunity here to do something special for Him. God makes no mistakes, although we might think they're mistakes. They're not mistakes, and sometimes we always say, if, 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 it's useless, but rather, why has God allowed this? What purpose does He have in this? By the way, we know what the purpose here in this passage was. Martha didn't understand it all. But he told his disciples why. He said, look, it's good that I wasn't there because you're getting ready to see something and your faith is going to be strengthened. By the way, don't tell me, don't tell me at the end of this story when Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead that Martha didn't have a moment and sat by, whoo, I'm glad you didn't show up. You know why? Because I'm going to tell you right now, took a whole lot more faith and a whole lot more belief and a whole lot more trust to see Jesus raise somebody from the dead than just heal them from a sickness. And see, that was God's purpose. That was God's plan. That was God's mission. Martha said if because she had no idea, but she soon found out. And how many times have we said if, 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 and if we just hang around a little bit, that if is, that if is answered because God always shows up. If I would have called another doctor, if I wouldn't have been told this, if this wouldn't have happened, if this would have been different. We can't live in the ifs. Why? Uh, if, because this, this burdens ourselves. It saddens our life. If. If, 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 if. You know why? There are no mistakes in God's eternal plan. Get that down. They're really it. Now we don't understand everything. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you that I always love what God does and how he does it. But I'm going to tell you something right now. If we respond to it properly, I want you to know something. God always does things right. He makes no mistakes. Get it out of your mind. There is no ifs that's not God's plan. I want you to know there are no mistakes in God's eternal plan. Instead of looking back, thinking of what might have been, let us look forward. Let us live in the present. Let us dedicate ourselves to the Lord and to what He has for us in the future. If stays back. If hangs back, if always is useless because it's never made another day better, it's never built a church, it's never led a soul to Christ, it's never had victory in the day, it's always going back. So if is a useless, weak word. Not only we see Martha's if, but I want to go back in the Old Testament to a very interesting story. Would you go with me to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament? And I want to look at Balaam's if. Now this is an interesting story. I'd like to read it. We'll read some of it. But I will give you the context of it. But in, in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, we find here in chapter number 22, we see that we are introduced to a king here. And his name is Balak. Now he is the king of Moab. Moab has always been an enemy of the people of God. So Balak is the king of the enemies of God and he is watching the Jewish people prosper. He's watching the Jewish people start to multiply. He sees that God's hand is on them so he starts to become fearful of the Jewish people. 
And so this king, the Bible says, look in verse number 2, and Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many, and Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. So it's very clear. Here you have a king that's wanting to protect his people. He realizes that they've already destroyed other people. He says, we're next. So as any good king that's trying to lead their people, protect their people, said, what can we do to protect our people from these people that God is obviously blessing? So notice what the Bible says in verse 4. Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites. And at that time he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor, the Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they shall abide over against me. Come now therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. So this king calls upon Balaam. He wants, the, he wants him to put a curse on God's people because they are prospering and Moab is trying, Zadok is trying to protect his people. Notice what the Bible says, verse 6. Come now therefore I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I what that we he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the rewards of divination in their hand, and they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the words of Balak. Now notice what the Bible says. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, I will bring you word again, as the Lord shall speak unto me, and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And God came unto Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covered the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. Now notice, And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Is that clear? What did God tell him? No. Right? God told him no. It was clear. He said it twice. He said, number one, you're not going to go with them. Number two, you're not to curse them. Notice what the Bible said. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuses to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went into Balak, and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. And Balak sent yet again princes, more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said unto him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. Whoa, here we go now. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? He says, I'm going to do more now. I'm going to promote you. I'm going to up the ante. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do it just because we have. But now we're going to make it worth your service. 
For I will promote thee into very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people. And so let me just say to you, just to make this quick, here's what happened. God told him no. But then they upped the ante. Guess what? That second up the ante, he said, okay, I'll go. You know what the Bible says? God's anger was kindled upon him. Now this is the story where the donkey actually talked to the man riding. And some people go, oh, no donkey can ever talk. Well, he did here. Because see what that donkey seen, Balaam couldn't see. But God had put an angel of the Lord and kept blocking him. And that, that, that donkey seen that he was going to go and that angel of the Lord was going to kill him. And the donkey was actually protecting Balaam. And so man, Balaam hit the donkey three times. And here's what's amazing. God let the donkey speak. And the donkey looked at Balaam and said, why have you smote me three times? He said, I have been your donkey. I have been with you for all of these years. I have, you've rode on my back all these years. Why are you whipping me? He said, because you're mocking me. And about that time, the Bible said this, the Lord let him see what was in front of him. You know what he's saying? He's seen an angel of the Lord with a sword drawn. And then he realized this donkey was trying to help me. Notice what the Bible says here. Here's the story. And the, verse 32, And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass that these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. Look at verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Here it is now. Now therefore... If it displease thee, I will get me back again. That's a weak if. Y'all know why that's a weak if? He already knew. He already knew the answer. If. If. If, Lord. Now, here, here's what's going on. Y'all ever notice that there are some people, they wake up in the morning... They check the wind first. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They check the wind. In other words, say, well, if it's windy today, blowing a certain way, or if, in other words, he said, circumstances are going to change my plans. That's what happened here. Here it is. This is an interesting story. Balaam's if was a weak if. You know why? Because here's what he was debating. He wanted to serve two masters. He wanted to be all right because, man, the world had just promoted him, just told him, hey, this is going to be good for you. This is going to be great. But God's already told him over here, no, I don't want you to go. And so what he was doing, he was just trying to serve two masters. He was trying to do two things. Can I say, he was quite willing to be righteous if it was worth his time to be righteous, but it was also okay if the water or the grass was greener on the other side. He said, well, we'll try out both if, and by the way, I've seen a lot of Christians, and by the way, I've lived this way before too. See, if is always a weak if. He was quite willing to be righteous if it did not cost him too much. 
Can I ask y'all a question? Do you know our revival meetings would be a whole lot more well attended if we never said, well, I'll tell you what, I think God understands. We, he knows we've got so many things. If we just didn't have all this stuff scheduled, we would be there in church. If, 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 if. Ah, oh, Lord, I'd serve you. I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you, I would teach my children Christian principles if it just didn't take all of my time at home. Whoever told parents that raising children was easy anyway? Whoever thought raising children was not time consuming? If you're doing it right, it's consuming most of your time. If, oh, I'll tell you right now, God, I would be there if we just wasn't so busy. If, that's what Balaam said. He said, Lord, now I'll go back if it displeases you. Here's what's amazing. He already knew. Do y'all believe God understands? You know, I've heard that so many times. I've heard people say, oh, I tell you now, I know what God says and everything, but here's what we say. I've heard it a hundred times. But I think He understands. He does. But I'm going to tell you right now, He understood very clearly what He told Balaam not to do, and Balaam did it anyway. Here's We do the same thing. Well, God understands. Well, he understands. It, it's if, you know, you just take a, just take a, if that word wasn't quite like that in the Bible, everything would be okay. Oh, he understood. Now, I'm going to tell you all right now, he understood so much, he told him no, and he told him no. <laughs> he told him no, and he told him no. He says, no, you're not going to go with them. Number two, you're not going to curse the people. And so, man, the, the world gave him more and said, hey, we're going to make this prosperous for you. We're going to do this good for you. And it amazes me how Christians can be so con. He was quite willing to be righteous if it did not cost him too much, not too much surrender of this world's goods. And you know what? Balaam had many successors. Many seek the Lord, but they don't do it with their whole heart. Because you know what most people think today? Well, man, if I'm going to be a fanatic, if I do that, it's going to take all my time. Well, I would go up there. <laughs> Where's that thing? I don't even know what I did with that paper. <laughs> well, I'd go up there to Sand Mountain Bible Camp if it didn't cost, if it wasn't no work. Thank you, there it is. I mean, it just kind of says it right there. It's a work day. Well, I tell you right now, I would go if it didn't have work involved. I'll tell you what, what's that church down there expect? What's that pastor down there expect? Did you just expect us to give our whole heart to the church? Well, I, I would if it just didn't require so much time. Can I help everybody here? Two, three hours a week ain't killing you. I mean, we live in a day now like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that church is asking me to come for three hours a week. And we spend more of that sitting in front of a television. 
Well, I'll tell you right now, I can't imagine that teen departing. I'll tell you what, if they just didn't want him to be in class, want him to be in class all the time, I'll tell you what, I just don't think that's right. Trying to tell us what to do. No, I mean, the Bible says that I, I would think that if we have teenagers, I'd rather be around church than the world. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if we just aren't trying to teach our children commitment, you know, I hear this all the time. Well, you know, Pastor, when we signed up for all of that, you know, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't miss church if we wasn't trying to show them what to be committed to. Well, the last time I checked, I mean, the greatest person you should be committed to is the Lord. By the way, I'm going to say this. I know this ain't popular, but I'm going to say it anyway. I haven't hit on it in a long time. But when I was in school and I was in rec leagues and I was in little league, and I, I'm going to tell you all right now, if there was ever a conflict in schedule from a game to church, I'm going to tell you all right now, there wasn't no arguing about it. There wasn't no fighting over it. There wasn't anything. My mom and dad stuck their foot down and they said, you're going to church. You're committed to Jesus more than you're committed to that. And if every Christian parent would do that, they'd change schedules around here. They change them. Because they wouldn't have anybody to play. Because I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of the people that play sports in our community, their parents go to church. I know I'm not going to get a whole lot of amens there, but it's true. We've let the world dictate us. I know it's quiet, but I'm being honest. And I know some of you don't like that, but I'm telling you right now, I've never seen a boy or a girl's life change at a ball field. I'm going to tell you where I've seen the Spirit of God work in their heart. Right here in this building, or in a teen event, or a camp, or something where they're hearing the Word of God, and God's working in their heart, and they surrender their will to the Lord. That is the greatest thing that can happen to this generation. It's for young people to surrender their Lord, surrender their ifs to the Lord. There was a reason many, many years ago there were more young people called into the ministry than there is now because there were more parents, there were more adults, there were more, all of us were more interested in people doing the will of God than just having fun. And so I say to you, these ifs are weak. If it's too difficult, if it will be easy, if I could live like this, if I could have this and be a Christian, if, 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 they're weak. Listen to me. God gave us His all. He gave us, our, he gave us the best. And boy, I'm thankful the Lord didn't pull that on us and say, well, I'll tell you right now, God, the Father, if Mark Brandon down there, if, he just loved me a little bit more and made it feel like there was a reason for me to go down there, I'd go. I'm glad he didn't say, well, Lord, you know now, if I go down there and say that old boy, Mark Brandon, I would be a whole lot better to do it if I went and did it. And he never hurt me. He never betrayed me. If he never was unfaithful to me, I'll tell you all right now, he'd have never done it. Aren't y'all glad God loves us in spite of ifs? I'm going to tell you, if anybody could have said if, it could have been God. Because I'm going to tell you all right now, we are a worthless bunch of people. <laughs> we really are. I want you all to think about that. He loves us so much, and I ask you, how much do we love him this morning? 
Well, I'll tell you right now, God, I'll go down there and die for their sins if they will be faithful to me. God, I'll go down there and suffer the shame and I'll suffer the cross and I'll suffer the death of the cross. I'll suffer my beard being plucked out of my face. I'll, I'll suffer a sword uh, being, or a spear in my side. I'll suffer people spitting on me. I'll suffer being mocked. I'll suffer being scourged. I'll do all of that if the people I die for, if they never fail me. Aren't y'all glad he didn't use if? If's a useless word. It's a weak word. It's never done a thing. So I pray to you this morning, I pray to the Lord this morning, I ask you to think about this. What if has to happen before we surrender our life to the Lord? What is the if that has to happen if you're here today and you're not saved or if you're even online? What what is the if that has to change for you to be saved? Listen to me. Today is the day. No if needs to be changed. You need to be saved today. If you're a Christian, you say, well, pastor, there's a lot of ifs that need to be answered. You're looking at it wrong. Because I'm going to tell you right now, he didn't have no ifs. He loved you. He died for you. And look, he's still doing everything for you today. And I don't know about y'all, but because he loves us, that love ought to motivate love. If's the weak word. Let's not use ifs. Let's just say, Lord, from this point on, I'm going to take what you've done. I'm not going to question those things. I'm going to ask you to help me from this day forward. What do you have in this for me? And let's quit using the word if. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, head bowed, eyes closed this morning. It's like we bargain with God. Well, I would if. If this was different. If it just didn't require so much, Pastor. And I will say this, living the Christian life, a lot of surrender with that. But it's worth it, amen? How many of you know with head bowed and eyes closed this morning, you know the Lord spoke to you about something today. You you don't have to raise your hand, but just head bowed and eyes closed. Will you be honest? You say, boy, the Lord honed in on something in my life. God help me. How many of you have ever made that statement? Well, I know I have. You say, well, if, if, if. Have you done that before? Would you raise your hand? I know I have. And you know what it does? It haunts you, really. It haunts you. It saddens you. So let's just trust that the Lord makes no mistakes. Amen. If you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, I beg you to come forward this morning. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. And then as I close, give the invitation. How many of you are glad that God didn't put any ifs on us? Are you glad of that? Well, let's not put him on, let's not put them on him. They're going to begin to play, and 
You say, there's something today the Lord spoke to me about. Why don't you take this moment and apply that to your life? Apply that to your life. The weakest word, if. We can't change the past. But we can certainly dedicate ourselves for the future. Talking to all of you parents, you know, I, I think about a garden. I, I know I've heard my, my wife, Laura, talk about it all the time. When she would come home, her dad would always have a garden. And she would hate when he would be home. She'd come in from school. He'd say, all right, get up in the garden and weed it. She'd have to pull weeds. And I think about that in the garden of your home when you're, you're, you're you know, there's so many parents today, they just, they just, they're trying to have a garden and they just, you know, they're planted, they have children, but then they just kind of let that stuff go and then they, they wonder why we're not getting any fruit. There's a lot of work and effort and I've heard people say, well, I just didn't, if it just, if it wasn't just so hard being a parent, but it is hard being a parent. If it just didn't require so much work, but here's the thing, it's worth it. you know what even in the garden there's nothing like them good garden tomatoes somebody say amen ain't nothing like popping the top off them cans and I'm going to tell you right now when you do your garden like that in your home when they get older you're going to be thankful that you're able to see the fruit see you put the effort in you've weeded you've worked there's fruit Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. I pray you'll take this little thought, Lord, the weakest word. Help us to get it out of our vocabulary. I pray you'll help me get it out of my vocabulary. Pray, Lord, that you'll help us to look to the future. We'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people say it. God bless you. Have a great night. A great afternoon. We'll see you tonight. Testimonies tonight. It will be a great blessing. Thank you.